Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome along. Monday night, 8pm, the Live Land returns after a hiatus because of the little tournament called, called the World Grand Prix. I'm Phil Bass, Jack Golden, Lee Boyce. We are all here for the next few hours. Gentlemen, how are we? All good, knackered, tired, all of the above. Sam? Yeah, all good here. I don't mind as much as Jack, so yeah, all good. After spending three days with you, mate, I completely disagree. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got no iron. They weren't me that spilled chips in the taxi, honest. The only one with chips open. Wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyone think Gob's not used to this working in darts malarkey yet? Busy man, mate. You know, you know the rules. Every hour spent working. <laughs> there's, always darts, there's always darts on. But welcome along, chat room as well. Hope we are all good. Loads in already, which is great to see. Uh, Tommy, Max, um, ABM, Malachi, Owen, Bob, Kieran, Craig, Bill. Matthew, Charlie, Zane, Jack, Paddy is in. Raf, how are we all doing? Um, it's been a it's been a mental period since the last time we were on here, boys. Isn't that always the case? <laughs> yeah, but it, it, even more so now. Probably it's now we go into silly season. Yeah, I think we we don't into silly season as you've said. But with an awful lot of announcements that seem to happen every week, as uh, Dob alluded to a couple of weeks back, seem to happen on a Monday when they normally drop. And then, obviously, they're just non-stop darts in all different organisations, including one of the biggest majors of the year. So, very, very busy couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, look, it is just absolutely mental at the moment. But, look, we'd rather have it that way than, than nothing to do. Let me just plug this in. I'm just going to go dead. There we go. Um, yeah, look, we'd, we'd rather have it that way than, than nothing um, at all. Um, but first of all, let's go straight in. We have a new major champion. Congratulations to Luke Humphreys winning the Ball Sports World Grand Prix. Um, before we dive into Luke getting his name on the roll of honour, chat room as well. What was your first thoughts of the tournament as a whole? 
Um, Kieran, I'm going to start that. We'll come on to that because that is in the talking points. How are we doing, Love Darts? So, first thoughts overall, boys, of the tournament. Leicester is crap. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll elaborate on that point. Venue-wise, I'm never impressed with it. Performances, I thought it was a, a it was a good tournament, a very good tournament, a lot of high quality. Um, it's always difficult to compare it because a lot of the times we look at stats and numbers and you just can't make that straight comparison with the Grand Prix and anything else. But I thought generally it was a it was a good tournament, just disappointing that the Leicester crowd behaved the way that the Leicester crowd behaved, I guess. A lot of the time, some nights was okay. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll break it down. First of all, I thought it was a slow burner. I thought early, the standard wasn't particularly good. There was a few standout performances, but I thought I thought it was a slow burner and took a while to get going in terms of performances. I think if you go back and look... <laughs> Stats-wise, I don't think that backs it up. It might not do, but just... The first ever game in round one where both players averaged over 95. Like, we saw that. We had some stinkers, but... You get that in that format, but I still don't think it was terrible games and terrible averages. Like, if they were bad averages, they were both missing at the same time. Like, it made for good darts or, or watchable matches again. I just thought it felt very... Boring for want of a better word. And and Gezi summed it up in one of, one of his interviews. He was like, I don't think anyone's played well yet. I think we had, I think we had some flat performances and there's some players in, who lost first round who are just never envisaged that being the case. And it wasn't the fact that they lost, it was the manner of how they lost. And I will dive into the first round shortly, but I still thought it was it was generally a, a decent opening. It's just that the, it's very brutal, isn't it? It's always been discussed. The first round of the Grand Prix is very, very brutal. It's too... The whole tournament, I think, is too short. We'll come on to that um, in a minute. But we will talk about the crowd. Um, there was one night that I mean, we were chatting in WhatsApp and... We didn't have the sound on upstairs, so didn't hear it. But obviously, last night, there was one table, I'm going to say it, of moronic fucking idiots that from the moment they got in there were just singing the song that... I'm not obviously going to say it on here because we will get, we'll get taken down. But they were just singing that the song that every generic Englishman seems to sing to the Welsh, which is just... Poor. I love how you're not going to sing the song, but you have just called them fucking moronic within the first 10 minutes, which means the chance of this being monetized is very slim anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, there was like two guys stood up for the entire night, just basically willing the crowd to try and do exactly the same. I mean, I was fortunate enough to be there and, and saw them doing it. Nobody around him sits them down, does it? Because of pissed or something else or whatever. Um, 
the only other bad night I think was Wednesday when Martin Schindler played uh, against Stephen Bunting. Yeah. Um, other than that, I thought the rest of it was okay. There's a couple of things to note within that. In that, um, yes, really. that, that one. A when the crowd is that small, if somebody else, if somebody does start something like that, it's more noticeable. But B, the fact the crowd was that small anyway, I don't think there was that much going on. Apart from those two, I'm not excusing it, by the way. Do you think the more that that's happened this year, the 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 likelihood of it not being there this year, uh, next year, sorry. It's not been announced in Leicester, has it, next year? Uh, unless they find somewhere in Dublin, I don't see where else it goes in the UK is the issue. But it, I guess there's two parts to it. One, obviously there's nothing at Dublin and and return it there. And two, that from what I can see from the calendar, it's moved back to how it used to be in Ireland, where the final's on the Saturday night and not on the Sunday, which is that a bit of a subtle hint that it could be returning that way. Well, Obviously, know. when the fight, when the tournaments are in England, it's predominantly that the finals would be on a Sunday, not on a Saturday. I think that they obviously Matt's name in every interview that he's done. Matt has made no secret of they want to go back to Ireland with a week-long tournament. He, he's made no secret of that. So I think they have to plan it that way because the rules in Ireland are different to the UK. So they have to plan it. As if it's going to be there for that day. Because if they plan it the other way, and then they can find somewhere in Ireland, it's all askew. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the the problem is is that arena is pretty much a match room venue. That obviously you were there, Gob. There's posters all over the wall advertising snooker, ping pong, temping, bowling. You name every sport that Matchroom does, there's pretty much an event on there in the next 12 months. So I don't see where else they, if Ireland isn't an option, I don't see where they take it in the UK. Wales. I agree with you, but I don't think they will. And then when Gezi gets beat, he can stop with that line at the end. I just, I think I, my, 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 my opinion is it will be either back in Ireland or it will be in Leicester again. Um, and look, I, I just don't think it works. No, I don't think it does. I think it needs to change. Um, we're not talking about a Premier League night where it's just once a year. We're talking about one of the biggest tournaments of the year over seven nights, it needs to be at a venue that's going to be well supported. I, I don't, I've just seen the comment about a CTPM midweek. Yeah, I agree that you are going to have that struggle, but the only way you change that is by increasing the night. You, you, you need an extra day, if yeah. not, or an extra two sessions. Yeah, so the only way that changes. What makes it look worse than it actually is is that tier at the back as well. Like because it just looks so empty throughout the week. The issue with the venue itself is that. A lot of other venues where they go to this or, or, or put events or whatever are show venues. So the rigging available in the ceiling is so much greater that you can cut off parts of the arena if you're not using it, if you need it, etc. 
but it doesn't have that because it's got two great big basketball hoops that swing down yeah, because it is a basketball venue for the riders. Unless yeah. they move, they've got a new practice facility, unless they move their match facility into the other building as well, which I can't see it because of the great big tier seating they've got. Yeah. That's always going to be an issue unless they can get a rig or some sort of curtain across that seating and, and change the way they light it. But there's literally four bits of scaffold up there that you can attach things to. I think th there's ways to make it look better on TV. And actually, if you are cutting off that back row of seats midweek, it might just make it feel that little bit more intimate. You're not expecting that massive stand to be full midweek at all. So if you make it that little bit more intimate, make it so they're a bit more on, on top of you, close it in a bit, but actually have the facility to open it up and drive up demand for your busier sessions... It might come off a bit better. I, it, it's, a, it's an interesting one. Yes, Johnny. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Exactly the same arena, Johnny. Um, there was a couple there. Dan says the three arena in Dublin. The problem is with the three arena is to hire that per night is absolutely astronomical money. Um, I can't remember the exact fee. Matt did tell me a few a while back what it costs to hire it for a Premier League night, and it's horrific. So for seven to eight days, because obviously you could, you'd have the, the rigging day before as well, it's just not financially feasible. One thing that I was also a little bit disappointed with, I guess, was the early rounds, the amount of pre-match and post-match footage that was showing for what's already a eight matches in one session, starting at six, and I think it was the Monday that didn't finish till about 25 past 11. So you've got close to five and a half hours of footage, but you've got so many interviews. Some of the stuff they were doing that was fairly new. It was good to see I'm trying to do something different. I'm, I'm all for that, but the amount of pre- and post-match interviews was a bit excessive especially in them early rounds. Yeah, oh, it was the one where Monday, where four games took a ridiculous amount of time and then they did a blooming five-minute Barney interview. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, Johnny's exactly the same stage, was in the same place as Armageddon. Um, but yeah, look, we weren't not going to dwell on it too much, but no, it it didn't, it, it doesn't work there for me. So, I'd like to go back to Ireland, but if it doesn't, I do worry that it will be back there again next year. Um, before we jump into the games themselves and everything like that, uh, Morgan says, what were your views on a certain pundit calling a player a rat? That makes it sound bad. It was tongue-in-cheek because of his surname. Nah, I don't like it. and I called it out on the fallout as well. I think you'll be hearing more of it. I, I think he'll use it again. of it, then okay. But other than that, no. I, I, I think you'll hear him say it again. It's a plan to know, no, isn't it? It's not a... Yeah. It's not just randomly calling someone why you Why was you so opposed to it, Dob? I thought it was a bit disrespectful. The way they both jumped on it and whatever else, like... Just the way it came across at the time. Didn't 
didn't agree with it at all. That was all. Look, it has split opinion. Um, I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer. Um, but uh, it, Wayne, he was referring to Ratajski, um as the rat. Stud uh, said it first. We really had Wayne he jumped on it. Wayne did it first. But because we don't always get all the commentary upstairs, depending on what's going on. Nice to see Rod Studd return to his day job today, by the way, of criticising VAR and referees or people that are slagging it off in the cricket. We took a break from that last week to do some darts commentary. Um, Darcy says, Straight back to VAR works, doesn't it? Yeah, look, it works in cricket. Defender um, of those in black. Before we obviously um, move on to the games, Darcy said, why don't Europe isn't an option? So part of the reason that Europe isn't an option is chatting to the guys at PDC Europe on continental Europe. They consume live sport in a very different way to we do here. And a week-long tournament, the general, a couple of reasons, the general consensus is the midweek crowds would be horrific, worse than, than here. And in certain parts of continental Europe, you're not allowed certain sponsors, which limits the, the the pool we saw with the Premier League when it was Unibet that the night in Rotterdam for instance it was just orange there was no Unibet branding because of everything so there, there, there are a few reasons oh Adam I can assure you Gezi's man cave is elite level man caveness yeah we've seen it it's on his, it's on TikTok yeah it is absolutely incredible and however I did like his interview last night as well you could see he was raging but he was like I'm going down to a great man cave I don't give a shit <laughs> welcome to the fine club silly boy yeah um, but did we get an Instagram story yeah it was alright he was alright he was it, quite complimentary on his Instagram story. He said it on Sky Sports. Darby Dan needs to put it on Instagram as well. It would just be twelting himself, wouldn't it, otherwise? <laughs> um, right. So, from round one, I would like your chat room as well, your performance, or no, your game of the first round, and your biggest disappointment. I actually thought, for me, my game of the first round was one that I didn't think would be. But I actually really enjoyed Gary against Jose. Apart from, apart from in a deciding leg where Jose has a meltdown. Not starting 19s. I'm Correct. Have a word with yourself. Um, game of first round for me probably be I enjoyed Bunting and Aspinall doing that. I was disappointed with Aspinall, but I was very impressed with the Bunting Aspinall game. My individual disappointment, and there's a few who fall into this category, if I'm being honest. But for me, it has to be Rob Cross. Losing to Andrew Dildin isn't a huge, huge surprise. He's UK Open champion this year. 
the manner of how he's lost that game, that and the, the performance, uh, is disappointing for Cross and not one I was expecting. But there's there's quite a few on that list, but I don't want to name them because I'm sure one of them Dob will probably mention. Yeah, I don't know. Um, what did I like? What did I like? Damon Hatter on sale was a very, very good game. Yeah. Rob Cross Andrew Gordon was not, despite me saying it would be last week, week before. <laughs> was that deliberately a thumbs up then, or was that the digit of doom, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bunting Aspinall was a great game as well. I, I sat here like the last show and said, Oh, yeah, Aspinall MVG repeat the final. And the more and more the week went on, and the more and more we streamed the Pro Tour before that, etc., the more and more my opinion changed. And I was convinced Bunting was beating him before a dart was thrown. And I was telling anybody that would listen that Bunting would beat Aspinall in the first round before a dart was thrown. I was like, I'm going to sound so stupid compared to my, my overall predictions from the week before. But Bunting just looked brilliant. Um, don't think you can be too harsh on Dave Chisnell, though it's going to be a... Is he always going to be a member of the Terry Jenkins club for now? Um, disappointment for me. Who didn't really get going? Struggling here. Really? There's a few. There is, but it's, it's, do I class it as a disappointment? Like Johnny Clayton defending two-year prize money from a previous win, losing 2-0 to Ross Smith. Is it disappointing to have lost in the first round? Yeah. Was it a half-decent game? Has he played all right? Yeah. Gurney's played okay, but you still expected Humphreys to win. Like, I think there's some results that could be expected, but there's still disappointments. There's disappointment in Aspinall losing. I think there's disappointment in Dimitri losing. One, oh, for, me that's, one for me that's a huge one. But then, not expected to probably win his day, but I expected an awful lot more from Josh Roth. No, I didn't. That was a blowout all day for me before I'd even picked up a dart. I had, I had fully expected Michael to win, but I expected more from Josh than what we saw. New format. Um, sort got of change to on the stage as well. That the whole just type of those who go in against each other. I, I didn't expect anything from Josh in that game. I was disappointed with Wade. I thought he played reasonably well in the last block of Pro Tours. I thought he played okay in the game, but first set he looked all right. Do you know what? That break killed an awful lot of games in the first round. Is that a break after one set on a night where you've got eight games and you're flying through as a joke? Advertising pays bills. I don't agree with it, but when you're selling it, you have to have X amount of breaks. You have to get them in. I'd, I'd much rather see the first round split over three nights or something and a longer format and you have a break after two sets. A break after one set. I don't agree with in any format. They do it that of the worlds, though. There's a break after one. Yeah. I'd, again, I don't like it because they can't run the risk of it not going to a decider and missing out on it or whatever else when they go yeah. five set matches. They can't run the risk of it being over after three and not getting an extra break in. Um, but Barley, I was disappointed with. He's, have we now seen the, the sort of maximum of, of Barney's return? Yeah. It's... it's. Martin Schindler sort of spoke about it's the draw he wanted. 
Oh, Martin Chinder was brutal in that interview. But, I love it. But a lot of the field was thinking that. Because the, pre- the, the pressure was that one of the one of the lowest run players in the tournament. Then you've got the pressure that's always going to be on Barney. So for any other player to get that draw, and then for Roman to put in that performance, shouldn't have well, that's, Did Barney's interview with Abby go out live in the venue? Yeah. Then that was a response to that because in that he goes, "It's I could have had a worse draw." So to turn around and say he got an easy draw was a direct response to Barney saying it in his pre-match. And I love that. Yeah. There was far too much of that going on from pundits and commentators this week, though, by the way. What's that? Calling nice draws or easy draws or draws on paper, etc. That's for the players to decide, not for you to put words in the mouth. No, I've, I've, no I, want, I want pundits to call what they think is an easy draw. I'm critical of ITV's punditry because they don't give opinions. Me, personally, I would much rather say... Pundits, yeah. Interviewers, no. Oh, that was a that was a nice game for you on paper. What blah blah? No, it wasn't. How do you feel about that game? Let let them say the bit on that. I'm I'm I've not got a problem with that personally. Pundits, uh, that, that's what Wayne Mardle and Mark Webster etc. are paid to do. They're paid to talk about a game, give an opinion. An interviewer is there to get get responses out of. They're different roles. And for me, there needs to be a little bit more respect to players that have lost or other opponents or whatever instead of just going up there. No, I, I disagree. I've done it and I'll continue to do it. If I think it's an easy one or a gimme, I'm going to say it. Um, no, I'm with Philip on this one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... Well, then you're both wrong. They're different roles. <laughs> they to get their opinion. An interviewer, it's not about your opinion. It's about them. You go and get their snap response. The yeah, stage, the flash interviews, you'll sit down half an hour later. That's different. But flash interviews should not be about how difficult an opponent was pre-match or on paper or whatever. Whatever. Let them get a rise out of that if they're paying attention to it. They, they, they do it in football all the time. Yeah, I think it's done across all, 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 all the time. You hear on paper that was one you should have won, or is that two points dropped because it's one you should have won? Yeah, all the time. Clearly, it's not football because there's nobody in football that can't afford to live. There's no one in that competition that can't afford to live. Anyway, can we talk about some more games, please? <laughs> uh, how are we doing, Pete? Hope you are good. Um, right, so. Any other round one bits that we've missed? Um, we've done that. Ross again. Rob Cross's mindset for this tournament completely went to mush. Um, I don't know what put Dirk off, but he had a meltdown at one nil up. There was a post from uh, an international outlet that said something happened in the break. And he yeah. couldn't concentrate, but they never said what. Says what? No. I'd, I'd be interested to find out next time we get a chat with Dirk. Uh, how are we doing, Rebel County? Hope you are good. But again, he was another that, that there's absolutely no way the break didn't affect Dirk. I don't know they know when the break is, but if something happens in that break when he's averaging 106 in the opening set of the tournament, 
<laughs> Cobb is very fiery in his Tiger Woods shirt tonight. <laughs> My plaque's fucked just like his as well. Um, so, <laughs> round two. Um, again, to my mixes though, so we're, we're uh, find me a river dog, <laughs> Harry and Lee all weekend at work. <laughs> uh, uh, Michael Smith made short work of Brendan Dolan. Uh, Gary Anderson missed opportunity, he had gilding in the palm of his hand. And I don't think Gary enjoyed the pace of the game. And that final set, there only looked one winner. Yeah, Gar- Gary's brain had gone. Yeah, correct. Which um, was the worry before they even stepped foot on stage. The longer that game goes, the more likely Andrew Gillen is to win yeah. it because the pace will just ruin Gary Anderson. Yeah. This this is where I think we're sometimes a little easy on the player. Someone of Gary Anderson's experience knows that. We know that watching it, he's got to then prepare, prepare mm-hmm. for that in a different way because it, we're not talking about someone who's only been in the sport a couple of years. He knows exactly what's in the thumb of Andrew Dildon and just needs to prepare better for that potential outcome of going all the way and it being as slow as what it is. Whether you like it or not, you get through that game and then, especially it sort of opened up towards the back end, anything could have happened. Yeah. It was disappointed from Dando. That, that's interesting, Paul, that there was no promotion in the city. We'll, we'll touch on that again shortly. That, that, that's an interesting one. Um, Price, light work of Ritaisky. Um, Bunting Schindler was an unbelievable game. Um, and I think Martin Schindler came of age this tournament. Me and I jinxed someone. After <laughs> um, oh, set one, Stephen Bunton looked the best I've ever seen him play, including winner world title, world yeah. master he's won. When he came over from the video to the PDC, he was certainly in the conversation for one of the best in the world in that moment. Obviously, loses to Bunton in that epic in the world the following year. Wins a pro tour in his first couple of weeks as a tour card holder, doesn't he? He, he was absolutely brilliant when he made that jump. That was as good as I've seen him. And I don't think it's a coincidence that he's gone up significantly in weight of Dart. No, I'm with you. I think 12 is too low. I've thrown with 18s before, which is what he's throwing now. And there's still a bit of deviation there, but he's got a nice snap of the rest. And his, his action is solid enough to be able to throw 18s. With 12s, such a fine margin. Oh, 100%. Um, that that jump. Don't, it's a massive jump compared to what he was throwing as well, but I, I genuinely think if he keeps on with that, ignore the fact that he falls apart against Martin Schindler, is doubling in, starting to desert him. But after set one, I think it was almost thinking too much about just how well he's playing and actually what a good performance it was putting in. You know when you, you're on a nine or you, you get carried away, you start thinking about the numbers. I think that happened a little bit. And I also think there was a little bit of guilt from Bunting there's no way he didn't hear the crowd. And I think it went the opposite way. I think that started to make him feel a little bit ashamed or embarrassed. And therefore, you almost like don't want to take advantage of it. Yeah, well, I'm with you on that. It's sort of apologising for something you haven't done. Yeah. And it's certainly impacting that way. But yeah. Total agreement. I think the, the bunting down looks so much done that the the increase from twelve to eighteen is huge. But yeah. it seems to be having a, a positive impact and perfect timing to do it with the coming into the back end of the year. It looks brilliant. It looks absolutely yeah. brilliant. And <laughs> absolutely spot on. Yeah. <laughs> um, how are we doing, Merv? Hope you are good. Um, 
see you tomorrow. Um, and then, look, this is one of the games of the tournament for me. MVG against Chris Dobie was just an absolute pleasure to watch. The first two sets, MVG was as good as I've seen him in a long time. Missing the ball twice in three legs for nine darters was just vintage, Michael, from 15, 16 and 17. However, across the whole five sets, I think the result was right. I think Dobie was the better player. I thought he won more of the bigger moments and thoroughly deserved the win in the end. I know Michael missed the dart of the ball to win it 3-1, but I think that would have been an injustice. I, I don't know still how Chris Darby won that first set. Yeah. MVG uh, was ridiculous. And it, for yeah. Dolby to die and win it, yeah, there's obviously the, there's the two leads, one in set one, one in set two, but the Dolby coming through that first set was huge. And then for me, that fourth set was massive. Oh, sorry, the third set when he missed darts. Um, and there was a lot of talk already on socials around Dolby being a bottler, Dolby being this. Can't do it on stage. For him then to turn that round against Michael, punish the a missed art of ball, which MVG to nick that that noise. If he'd have had another twenty attempts, this ball wasn't his friend. But it was a outstanding performance from Chris Dolby. Um, and there isn't really a lot of criticism for MVG. It just got to that last set, and Dolby was just outstanding. Yeah. It was just just an incredible game. Um, but there are signs that Michael is going back to that level that we expect of him. Those first two sets is the best I've seen him look in a long time, on par with the final session in Poland. That There are, there are just signs that we're getting that turbocharged gear more and more again. We are. It, but we're also seeing the vulnerability of those doubles in key moments that he never had before. They will always be there. Any, if you look at any tournament this year, there's an argument that Michael's beating himself in, in the majority because he's missing key doubles at yeah. key opportunities. He's lost that air of inevitability, that suit of armour that people expect him to do it. You think he's, he's your, we go back to it all the time, his last leg decider Euro Tour record. Will yeah. never streak will never ever be topped. He was something like thirty games unbeaten in last leg deciders on the Euro Tour. It was over before they'd thrown a dart in the majority of his players aren't as scared of him, and he is also missing and giving up opportunities, and and that's where he needs to tie up. The rest of his performance looks brilliant. His scoring power in that was right up there with one of the top performances you've seen in the entire tournament. It, it looks brilliant when that first dart's back in. He stopped getting bored as such. I mean, he went two different routes for the nine data, but his, his, his early form, when you're comparing him best ever, 2016, 2017, when he's winning the lot, the issue with Michael is he got bored. Gary was there to push him, but actually in the rest of the games, he got bored. He went searching for other ways to hit nine darters and, and pissing around, and he, he lost concentration. And I'm convinced that's why his action changed. Then he had the issue that he changed manufacturer and had to get used to a new dart as well. So he, he just allowed it to slide a bit. The rest of the factors, he looks brilliant again. He looks confident. Obviously, he just looks good. And he's winning trophies again. He's winning titles again. I still like to see him do a bit more on the floor. His, his pro tour form is actually quite bad. And I think when you're giving, 
players that are only playing Pro Tours for the year, chances to beat you in round one, two, and three, that's his issue. That's where he needs to get used to just winning, winning, winning again, becoming more and more relentless because the deeper he goes in Pro Tours again, especially when he's not playing all of them, the more and more people see he's winning, the more and more that everybody starts to think Michael's back to Michael again. They still know if Michael turns up, he is the best. That's his line. And genuinely, it's true. The the majority of the tour will agree with that. Gerwin Price will sit there and say it. Michael Smith said it in an exhibition with him in Derby two weeks ago. Gary, if he turns up against Gerwin, is is still capable of hitting that gear. Peter Wright might be on his way back. Genuinely might have been a better player with Michael's darts last week, but that's for them to decide. Other than that, if Michael Van Gerwen hits top gear, it is very, very unlikely that anybody in the world can live with it. Oh, no, I, I agree. And one point on that, I know it's tough for these elite to juggle, but for me, he's in the same camp as Aspinall and Wright. He's missed too many pro tours for my liking. It's just that sharpness at the back end of yeah. games. Like, because if you're not going to as many, as stupid as it sounds to somebody who's won so much and is chasing back world number one and, and just finding match form again, when you aren't putting yourself in a position to go and win games or lose games as frequently, it becomes a bigger deal to you again. I I think this game, and, and me and Dan debated this game on the follow-up bar around Derby winning it, though. I think if you looked at it from the other side, does Derby win this game if he's not played in the Premier League this season? For no. me, probably not. That experience of beating Michael on the stage, and that it, it comes back to that MVG being inevitable as being a winner, and being relentless of being a winner that we saw five, six years ago, that isn't there as much. But it's not that people are just beating him in the first and second round of Pro Tour, where you said it's not right, don't they? But Derby's record on TV, I think this is his, was it his third win over him, third or fourth win over him this year. Two, it's two in three, I think it is. I'm sure. I thought he won one as well early on in the year, maybe when he won the night. Oh, sorry, I, I'm, no, I was talking about majors, as in. When you're not playing Michael Knights. Dobie beat him at the Euros, Michael beat him at the Worlds, and then Dobie's won here. So, Yeah, I think he's beaten once, maybe twice in the Prem as well. But it's just that, like we said, MVG was ridiculous the first two sets, but it's still 1-1. Because Dobie had that know-how of still getting the better of Michael because they've played that often. And that experience, for me, was how Chris Dobie got over the line. If he didn't play in the Prem, I don't know if it's in Ruts, but... Without that experience of the Premier League this year, I'm not sure we would have been able to still compete with Michael at that stage. And more importantly, that fifth set, just whitewash him and just go away with it. And I'm I'm with both of you in the sense of we do need to see him back playing more and picking up more Pro Tour titles and just going to these events and it's just going to be, this is my day, and doing absolutely back of the field because we know we can do that. There was, there was two games on the night that, that summed up set play beautifully and perfectly. This was one of them in that Michael was so dominant in, in one set, Dobie's back level. The other one is Humphreys Woodhouse. Yeah. yeah. I know it, I know it didn't play out like this, but effectively Luke Woodhouse has been broken once and lost 3-0. Yeah. Every set was 3-2. Every set was 3-2 and I think he led 2-1 in some of them, so he has been broken more he than that. He led 2-1 in all of them and had set, yeah. dart, had set darts in the ones that Humphreys had throw. Yeah. We use a football net spent. He's been net broken once in the entire match and lost. Yeah, three 0 Like that. That's basically what's happened. <laughs> and it that, that sums up set play beautifully. Like, well, it's, it was the same with the Gilbert Garrison so easily. They were actually nine all in legs, or whatever it was. 
can't be nine all in legs. Well, well at one point it, they were level in legs, whatever it was, because we were looking at it. At two one in the second set, they would have been level in legs. Anything yeah, after that, whatever we, we were looking at, it, they were they were level in legs, and it was like how? Yeah. Um, but I tell you, another absolute stormer was Joe Cullen against Ross Smith. The rock star seems to have come of age again because he's not played particularly well this year when he's had to. He's, he's done enough to win games, but this game in particular and the game against Doby, spoiler alert, this was the Joe Cullen that we expect after getting to a Premier League final and winning the Masters. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree. I, I thought this was going to be the best of Joe who's going to see all week to then Ross. Um, but I actually think he better that than Chris. Um, and it just shows we saw him have a good run at the match play. He's never had another, he never had a good run at the Grand Prix. I think we are seeing the the best of Joe Cullen now. Even though he's won Masters and had the run in the Premier League, I think this is the best version of Joe Cullen we've ever seen. I, I, I want to see more from him for the back end of the year before I agree with that. I thought this week in particular his starting double was was very very good that put a lot of players under a lot of pressure and he just looked comfortable and calm up on stage there was no panic if he wasn't getting in there was just a i don't know the way he carried himself and shoulders straight up constantly there was no slouching no sulking even on visits where his action perhaps doesn't play up as much as it should he, he just looked good up on stage i thought yeah, it, it was very, very good as well. The way he was like, "Yeah, I'm happy. That's a great performance. I've beaten a great player." Like he did the job there. That was brilliant from Joe. And yeah. I think it also shows as well with the Grand Prix how important it is to have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. And Joe had that, and it was a strange way of going from 16s to 18s to 14s. But he found a way that worked for him, and whatever happened, it was a different plan that he had in motion, depending on how his dart was sat. And it was always the six things, 18, 14s around the board. But he had that plan and he executed it perfectly. So, as I said, I, I think he's looking very, very strong down into the back end of the year. Yeah, look, we're going to speed things up a little bit. But the quarterfinals, apart from the bottom, I thought the first two were very one-sided. Smith absolutely dominating, Gilding, Price dominating, Schindler. Um, we've just spoken about Dullin, Kobe, um, Dullin, Cullen against Dobie. Um, <laughs> and then Wright and Humphreys was a weird one because Peter Wright at 2-0 up looked in cruise control. But Humphreys found a way. I'm going to that. The last two sets, Luke Humphreys was nothing short of sensational at this point. And you almost started to think, hang on a minute, this is the Luke we've been expecting this is the Euro Tour Luke turning up in a TV major. It is. I think there's a difference, though. In, in I still think there's a vulnerability in Luke, and I'll explain that in a second. But I think he wasn't playing badly in the opening sets. Peter Wright was just better. There's a difference, right? I still think, and we were saying this, look, the seniors event this weekend was in Newby, which is where Luke's originally from. There's a lot of support from there. There's a lot of talk about the entire weekend, a lot of predictions going into the final on Sunday. How do you think Luke will get on? And a lot of that was based off of if he gets behind against Gerwin Price, who we were expecting to go berserk at some point, hit top like he did in that semi-final and final of the World Champs a few years ago. I still think there's a little bit of petulance in Luke, and I'm not sure about his desire to fight back if it's not going to plan for him, if he's missing doubles to get in. 
he was playing well the entire match against Peter Wright and he just started picking it up off the timing and the key moments is what won him and got him back in that. I still think there is a worry if Luke Humphreys finds himself behind in a set play tournament or or even a, a big lead blown in a, in a leg play tournament between now and the back end of the year, that perhaps there is still that element of has he got it in to produce a fight back? That one was because he was playing brilliantly in the game anyway and he's capitalised on key moments. I think I think the bit about front runner and chasing, you could make that claim for a lot of players that have mm. they got the heart if they're really behind in the trenches. Yeah, but there's not many serial winners that you make the argument for. It's more back to going down the field. If you look at your lights of your Desis and Johnnies, MVG, this they seem to have more of that fight. Um, I was still worried about Luke, even though we turned his game around against Pizza, but. I guess we will speak about Luke more as we go on to semis and finals. Yeah, it was good to see Peter returning back to a better side of all three of us have sort of wrote him off for the play championship because we don't see him having a run of two or three games on the spin or two or three decent tournaments. This sort of showed there is a very, very good game there still. There's a level, but I'm I still... I don't know if that, le- that A level isn't as good as the that, A level was. That's what I was about to say. That there's still a level that he can get to, but I still haven't seen him go to the level that won him the match play, the Worlds. It, the, 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 the top level at the moment that we're seeing, for me, is 94-95. I don't see him going to that 106-107 at the moment. Look, it's obviously still there. He wrote commentary last week on the Pro Tour when he did it two games in a row, had two stinker last legs and still averaged 104 and 106. But I get what you're saying. <laughs> but doing it on the Pro Tour and doing it on TV is two completely yeah. different things. Um, look, Michael Smith dominated by going Price in the first semi final 4 2. Let's be fair, Bully Boy was hanging on to Price's coattails for, for a lot of that, that tie. Um, and then Again, Luke dominated Joe Cullen 4-0. And again, once it got to two and a half to to Humphreys when he was 2-0 up and two would think he was 2-1 up in legs, I'm not sure that desire was there from, from Joe, which is and the, the, the last set was all all a little bit too easy, I felt. Yeah, that is great. Again, that comes down to the timing, doesn't it? Luke Humphrey's timing in the semi-final was brilliant for me. Every single time Cullen seemed to put himself in a position where he, he might go to two in, a, in one of the early sets and, and give himself an opportunity to throw for a set or, or get himself on the board, Humphrey's hitting with something. And, and that was brilliant for Luke. Numbers-wise, on paper, whatever, this game doesn't look great, but Humphrey's just kept him at arm's length by never allowing him to start the comeback. There was no chance for it to materialise because every single time he put himself in a position or, or gave himself that building block, Humphreys worked out from underneath. Even yeah. mates, hope you are good, buddy. I'll see you tomorrow. Um, and look, the, the final, everyone said it, that for Luke to win, he had to be level or in front at two and four because you don't want to be chasing girl in price. And I actually think, I said it to you yesterday at the venue, Gob, I think Luke losing the ball was the best thing that ever happened to him. <laughs> because there were nerves in that first set. 
When, when the game is played out the way it has, I, I get what you're saying. It's a bit like Phil Taylor giving away. If, if you're going to play crap in the opening leg or, or struggle to find your form up there, not having the darts and, and not being broken is key to that. Yeah. If this has gone all the way, as me and somebody that was stood next to us said, if this goes four each and two each in the final set, we're probably going to punch you for saying that and throw you over the barrier. <laughs> That's I, a little I, bit different saying that. I, I get that, but... 100%. It, was okay. There was a worry just how one-sided that opening set was. It Luke didn't set at all. He was averaging 69 through it, I think. The break in that sense was good for him. He got off. He cleared his head right. This is it. I'm in the game now. Came back out. Won that next set pretty convincingly. And then he just got on a roll. And once again, it was timing. It was every big shot went Luke's way. Every key shot went Luke's way. I thought he used his emotions brilliantly. He let out the big roar when he needed it. I think when he won the fourth set, there was just a nice little fist pump as if to say, I've yeah. got you now. Like, it didn't overexpand, didn't overexert energy. Ross Smith is, is one of those that I think he's got to learn to rein it in a little bit. He will give you uh, a Tony Adams headed clearance after every 180 you've ever seen in your life. Luke, Luke was smart with it. He played the role brilliantly. Um, uh, he just looked comfortable up there from the moment he got himself level again. It looks steady as. I don't know how, how it came across on TV, but obviously you and I were there, Gob. At the end of the fourth, walking off, Gezi gave it the, yeah. to the family area, and we were like, oh. Look, and we obviously we spoke about the crowd earlier on and how appalling they were, and obviously that had something to do with it. But then coming back, Luke was on the stage, and we were getting a little bit worried that Gezi wasn't coming back at 4-all, yeah. because... The broadcast had started, the referees and that, and Gezi still wasn't on the stage. Yeah. Now, to me, uh, we've got no proof of this, but the way that he did that and the way that they reacted and then his post-match interview suggested it was more than just the idiots right at the back that were trying to start the, the sheets. Yeah, yeah. Right? To me, that suggests something's gone on near the front and he's not happy. Or he's been in this situation and he's experienced enough to know that actually it's not going his way. We'll try and change something. There's, there's two ways to look at that. Don't know which way around it is. No. Genuinely don't know what it is, but they're the two options you look at in that situation. He's 3-1 down. He's coming back from a break. It's Luke's first opportunity to win a major since the UK Open, who's cut, now leading. He's in a position. It's not quite going Gezi's way either. He's got to do something to try and change the flow one way or something's happened that's genuinely upset him in the other one. Don't know which one. It could don't be. Don't think we will know which one. It could well be a mixture of both. Yeah, it was just it was just the fact that the game was ready to go and he wasn't on stage, which was very similar to the Dave no the Bunting semi final two years ago when we all know that they had to physically talk him out of walking out of the venue. Yeah, he was bag was on. He was he was off. Um, but interesting. Look, congratulations. We've got some clips to play as well. Um, congratulations to Luke, and we'll obviously come on to that. Right. So, uh, he was more than just congratulations. He was brilliant. He's one of. We also point out that Sky is a broadcast partner. Spent the next twenty-five minutes referring to it as a major. If that's your premier or your prime broadcast partner, get aligned with your governing body, organisation, and whatever on what actually is a major. I'm not starting that whole debate, but if you're going to refer to it as a major win and major title then there needs to be some sort of whatever. You can't just keep leaving it how it is. And secondly, Keith Della, that's the way you should go for 138. 
<laughs> right, so we've got... Should we hear from Luke winning, first of all? But then we'll do the other players I've got clips from. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He wished me good luck today. He, you know, he's, I do like Michael. We got him really well. He, he wished me all the best today. He was hoping I was, you know, going to pick up my first major turtle because as much as we're competitors, you know, he, he is a nice guy, very, very nice guy, Michael is. And, um, you know, he said to me a lot of the times, every time he's beat me, he said, you know, you'll win, in the back room, he says, you'll win, one, you'll win a major soon. He, he kept telling me, you'll, you'll win one of these soon. I, I know it. And, Obviously, he wouldn't have wanted me to win one if he was in the competition, but he wasn't. Um, and, you know, he was right. Um, so, yeah, at the back of my mind, you know, I knew Michael when he won it. Um, he went on and went on to a free fall and won a lot of things, but I can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not going to go on and do what Mark Van Gelman's done. That's, that's never going to happen. And I won't ever dominate the sport. I know that because we're in an era where it's too good, you know, so. Um, he won his first like this, and I'd be happy with a quarter of his career because he's he's an unbelievable player. Um, and for me, if I can pick up you know major title every year, which is obviously going to be my goal now, um, I'll, I'll I'll leave the sport in a very happy place. But of course, no one can ever take away from me now that I've finally I've won a major, um, and, and that's going to live me forever. Nice touch from MVG dropping him a message as well. Yeah. before the final and actually like that I think that's a great aim for someone of Luke to have as well to, to look at we call them majors TV titles whatever to, to, to have one big one to have, to pick up one of those a year now you've got one in the bad I think there's one summit that's achievable but also a good motivation to have instead of pushing himself to heights that are potentially unrealistic with how strong the field is now so I think he's, he's speaking very, very well after picking up his first title, but a lot of confidence students this year and in a strong position to pick up one more, maybe. Yeah, hope you are good, Niall. Um, right, let's do let's do the world number one because this is an interesting one, and I liked his honesty with this. Uh, the only reason it's been a quiet year is because I wanted to celebrate while while won, and I'm not going to shy away from the fact we worked so hard on the PDC. And it's not only playing playing darts. We do media, we do everything else. Playing, we just got to travel the day before. and It's part and parcel of the game. And the minute I stop doing that is the minute I know I'm playing bad. And that's why no one wants me. And yes, this year I've enjoyed myself. I've been partying, I've been all day with the family, with the kids. Now it's time to work again. And I've given everyone a free ride for eight months. And now it's time I come back now and I'm not bothered about what I'm doing, the media side of the thing. I'm trying to find my game again. And now, being this Grand Prix, I'm starting to find it again. It's We always said this was going to be the first one that I won. Like my first major and then I won the Grand Slam in the Worlds. And it's it's got to give. And if I win this, that's another one I've got over Gary Anderson as well, because he's not won it as well. That was the main thing. Gary's never won the Grand Slam. And we, that was his favourite event. And as much as we've been through, me and Gary are still really good mates, and I still compete with him. And this is another one that I need to get over him as well. And hopefully, when I win this, he'll come back as well, and we can have more competitions again. I like the way Michael was talking there. That he didn't hide from the fact that yeah, look, I've had. Six seven months off. I've enjoyed winning the world championship. I've enjoyed being my number one. But I know 
that has to now be put right. Deservedly so as well, by the way. In terms of a sport and a calendar, we've said this multiple times, the top eight players don't have a big rest period. You look at any other sport in the world, they have an off-season. Right, and this is just down to the players to go and pick and choose, right, we've given them enough events, whatever. There is no off-season. There's no three months after you go and win a Premier League title in football to go and sit on a beach somewhere and enjoy some time with your family and take in what you've just done for this season or, or enjoy it. F1 drivers get half a season to go and rebuild cars and, and do whatever. Like There is an off-season in pretty much every other major sport. You go and win a, a tennis major, you change surface, you can have two weeks off and, and do it. You don't really get that in dark. So actually, whilst it might have hurt him short term he's no worse off in terms of world rankings he's getting back on it in time for the serious part of the season he's got a chance to go and defend it still he's got used to new equipment over that time as well i don't mind it at all from him and he's open and honest enough to go actually that's what i've been doing everybody knows now that if they've got a result over him he's been taking it easy so now they've got to go and justify beating him again when he's gone right on back yeah i thought it was a very open insight from michael smith I liked this one as well. We've got two more. You know what I say? Listen, you know what I'm like with pundits. You know they say, oh, that's him, he's done and that. <laughs> no. If I've got to get my big dead to come and prove you wrong. I'll try me damnedest. I'll get 199.9% a chance to, to, to do it, you know. But listen, the boys you know that are playing darts, superb, you know. I'm, j- I'm just here. And I have noticed, you know, I've had a break in that and odd night with Ryan, but... Uh, since January, with Ryan coming and practicing, and me going to his, it's uh, it's came on a leaps and bounds, you know. So it's definitely helped me. I don't know what comes, what comes comes, you know. It's uh, if I keep playing like this, I'll, I'll feel fine, you know. Uh, I was laughing because I've already heard the the boys whispering. He's going to like him, so you know. But like I say, I, I can turn up next season day and play absolutely terrible. So I'm not biting any bullet in that, and just saying I'm just here to play darts. If they go, they go. I like that. I've heard the boys whispering, he's doing all right. Three years later, we still haven't got, I just want to play darts on a T-shirt with Gary Anderson's face. And I'm not <laughs> but the rest of it, yeah. I mean, look, Gary talking about his practice for Ryan is a bit like Luke talking about the Premier League. I'm a bit done with it, but the rest of it was okay. Um, and this this one's good. And this, this was a surprise. Peter Wright has been fans' favourite for many years. However, those boos were very, very loud when he played Ryan Searle. And, and here's the clip, and also using MVG's darts, which was interesting. You've been a fan's favourite for many years. Were you surprised with the reception you got I here? I was getting booed and rapping. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. I've got them on my side in the end. That's, that's all I count. Uh, no, I, I, you know, uh, as long as the fans are enjoying themselves, you know, I don't care. I'm up there to try and win, and uh, that, that's all. Yeah, as soon as you start winning tournaments and getting better, the, you know, they turn to uh, uh, turn against you. They start not not being on your side. Uh, they like the like like the outsider to win, you know. So it's uh, you know if, yeah, uh, you know that's what it goes. And now Michael come back. Oh, you still using my dart? I said, yeah. I told you, you need your dart sales up. <laughs> But no, no, yeah, I just like the balance of them, uh, and you know, if, if I've, I've got to use them, and uh, until obviously Red Dragon sort me out, what you know, something similar. 
was fine. I know my old elements, is it the elements yeah. and the gold ones? They're very similar, but they're a little bit too long, a little bit thinner. And so, you know, so hopefully we're working on something. If not, I'll just, just to use Michaels and win tournaments with them. <laughs> oh, you know where this is going, don't you? The, the if he race... doesn't know the name of his darts, how the fuck are we meant to tell everybody what he's throwing with every week? Um, there is um, there is one part in that where I don't think he's telling the truth. He one hundred percent. It means something to him what the fans think. I, the I agree. After he's, he's, he's gone, I think he one hundred percent cares about that. I think it will bother him that that's a taste. Um, and I'm not quite sure what we'll see different, but I think we'll see something different from Peter to try and get him back on side. Um, because I don't think he would have liked that. It's not like the Desi sort of reaction, because Price gets it year on year, certain venues, he gets it all the time. Peter, it's very rare we see it. And to see the manner we did as well, it was very loud. It wasn't a few, it was it was the majority of them. So I think, I think, it, I think it does bother him, but it, it, I don't think he's going to come out and say it does. I think there's a slippery slope, though, because the more and more you sit there saying, no, it doesn't, the more and more you could quite end up being the new Gerwin Price in terms of the reaction to the crowd. He's had such a, a love-hate relationship with it for so long, stating that actually missed it during COVID, missed the booze, and then the following weeks on Instagram going, uh, I just want to play in Cardiff all the time. This isn't fair, the reaction I get. like it, It's a very, very slippery slope where Peter Wright is right now if he's going to sit there and say it doesn't matter to him because people will just do it more, and then it will get to it. Take its effect. The other thing as well, he got it in the Premier League a few times as well. This is creeping in more and more. It did, but it wasn't to this. It didn't seem to be to the same level as Leicester. We we all seen points. We seen there's an element of surprise in the Premier League, but for it to then happen and then and still be surprised shows the number of people that was doing it. Um, I'm not sure what he will come up with, but I, I think he will. You'll find a way to get on back inside. Why it's happening, though? Yeah, I don't get why it's changed. I don't think he's done massively anything wrong. There can be a little bit of resentment from fans that he's he's chopped off a little bit, but I don't think he's taken advantage of his position or anything anywhere near as much as Barney did in his final year before he retired the first time. And the fans still adore him. They still adored him back then. There was a little bit of change on social media, etc. But actually in the venue, there were still the cheers and this is his last year and whatever. He hasn't publicly said anything wrong. He hasn't publicly done anything wrong. He's just changed form a bit, not playing as well. The only argument might be is if he comes up with some way to force his hand into the Premier League, if he's not in contention next year from his on the hockey playing this year. That's the, well, that's the only thing I can see them resenting in the future is if he goes, right, I'm going to retire at the end of this year. So he gets a, a swan song like Barney did. And I'm not sure the PDC will fall for that again. Yeah, I, it makes sense that there. I, I, we don't know the, what the trigger is because it's it, it's a strange one. Like normally, there's something that we see or a player does something, but this was completely left field the way it was. But even even if we talked about even if it was a London dip of performance, that wasn't there to see Leicester. He actually performed last week. The cost the whole week. So he, he, he didn't get it round one either. It was just round two and a bit when he played Luke. 
And it um, can't be the pace of his game because he hasn't changed that at all from what I've seen. If anything, he, he's playing better when he's throwing that little bit quicker because he's not tinkering about with his throw, which we've seen that have a negative effect on people like Dimitri Vandenberg. In the last couple of years, he's started to get a few boos when he's throwing the game down. But by contrast to that, you've got people shouting Andrew Gilden should be in the Premier League. I'll tell you what, you just segued us brilliantly into the next part. So, today, Premier League tickets went on sale for for 2024, and by the look of it, sold out rather quickly. Um, I wore a mask because Dick Turpin did. (laughs) Right, I'm not having this. I know we had it in the WhatsApp chat earlier. I don't think the Premier League tickets are that badly priced the way you two are going on about them. 6250 Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. For a table in Exeter. Or the ones that put 55 quid for a night of the darts at, whether you like this or not, the PDC genuinely classed the Premier League as their second flagship event, as we've seen. 55 quid for a table at the Premier League, I don't think is bad. I don't agree with the booking fee, but that's obviously the, the ticket company's doing. I don't booking think fees are a joke, full stop. Yeah, I, I don't think 55 yeah. quid is that bad. I do. I do. It's greed. Would you pay 55 quid to go and watch Liverpool play? No, too far away. I live in Nottingham. Um, <laughs> Champions League, yes. Premier League, probably not. If you're going to relate it back to football, you know I'm going to answer yes to all of these questions. It's not that. It's, it's the comparison. Start showing. It's, exactly. <laughs> it's the comparison as well to... I've brought match play semi-final tickets, Grand Slam semi-final tickets. These events, these games that mean more, there are better spectacles than the same tournament that happens every night for 16 weeks. But this when is their in, second it, flagship event. When it's, in Etita, when it's in Etita, we've saw it five times. When it's in Birmingham, the ones we've looked at and we're talking about today, it's week 11. It's the same one we see week on week on week. The value of that just isn't for me for... But what I'm saying is... In in addition, and I know this is venue, but the PDC should consider it, the prices of how much the refreshments are in the venue, in addition to the ticket cost, you are looking individually paying well over £100 for one night in that venue. Yeah. And I've just thought, I'm driving to 
fucking minor, so I can't even drink in Exeter. What a shit show. Um, Fifty-five quid for a sober front row table. Yes. I just seven pound fifty booking fee. I, I personally don't think they are 55 quid for I, I'd pay 55 quid to go and watch football boxing I I personally don't think that is too bad it's a joke um it's it's their second biggest event behind the worlds I know you two don't like that but they clearly see it that way but it's all there so that it's priced accordingly it's Around the same price as the world's. It's not the world, is it? But anyway, on the Premier League, with, with Luke Humphrey's victory, moves him to fourth in the world. Originally, and, actually... no, he's actually fourth now. He's outright fourth in the world now. Um, yes, Pete, you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so Luke is fourth in the world not provisionally he is fourth now and Gezi is going to take something arguably a world win or a final to recoup that so as it stands right now the top four for the Premier League pick themselves as we know that will be Michael Smith Michael Van Gerwen Nathan Aspinall and Luke Humphreys. Gezi is all over the posters and is always going to get a pick. Is the top four written, by the way? Is it yes. still top four are guaranteed? Correct. Did they four, say yeah. they were just going to do that but not actually write it down so they can change their mind should anybody that they don't want there get there? No, Matt confirmed when we interviewed him mid this year that the Premier League is still the top four are guaranteed. Okay. So... With that, Gezi will get a spot, no question. Despite his record in it being on par with Peter Wright's, by the way, it is terrible. But then yes. all of a sudden... Yeah, but he's got all the shirts ready from last year, the time pulling out this year. He made them into chairs for his man cake. <laughs> um, five out of your eight picks are already gone. We're only in October and five of the eight are sealed up. If we're being and honest, I... five of the eight were sealed up five weeks ago. <laughs> but now it's... <laughs> so, with three places left, potentially only two. I'm throwing it out there. I think Wright gets shoehorned in. You're an idiot. And they're idiots if they even think about it. His record in the event is absolutely dreadful. He's not played well enough in any TV major this year. His ranking is dropping like an absolute stone. And in a format that they've created for themselves, where you have walk-ons in game one and three and skip it on two, but don't have enough time to allow him to do his dance across stage or Dimitri to dance every single time. Why? He doesn't, win, he doesn't win it. He's been to the knockouts twice in 14 attempts. Because you've got two knockouts. I don't care. Send Gary instead. Not a shot. He, Gary would Gary, Gary win the Worlds and still turn the Premier League down. I'd rather see him in the Premier League. And the last time he did that, he won four games in the entire campaign and three of them were on the same night. In Nottingham. Correct. Um, I was there, paying £8 for a pint, and I still had a crap night. Um, 
And it wasn't 55 quid that year either. Yeah. I won them on the fantasy. <laughs> um, so, right. Are we, all, are we all in agreement that five spots are locked? Yes. Right. And Pete, you beat me to it. TV deals do have a say in this. We know that. That Whitlock's been picked before because of a TV deal. Dimitri? He should be nowhere near it. I agree. However... He been in last year. The way Belgium I'm is... He's sitting with hindsight after his performance this year, but he shouldn't have been in last year. The, the, the way Belgium is as a country, the way it's blown up there, TV deals... He, I'm not saying he will be in, but he'll be in consideration. He has to be. I'd rather watch Ronnie Hybrex this year. And he's he, about to give it up again because of midweek pro tours. Don't I'd rather retired Ronnie Hybrex this year. We're coming on to that in a minute. Um, did he says, do Sky get a pick? No. Well, not officially, because it used to say Sky picks, where now it was just four picks. Um, I think there will be Sky execs that are involved in the consultation, com- but they don't get an outright pick. pick yeah, oh, yeah, completely. But right now, who's in pole position for these three places? Because three's not a lot to shoot for. When we all know, they would all sell their souls to be in this competition. It's, it's, it's a difficult one because... For me, the conversation should always be, and I know it's not going to be in, but the conversation should always be, TV, uh, major TV winner or whatever we thought it should be in it. We've not seen that from the UK Open winner for the past couple of years. I can guarantee you this UK Open winner won't be in it either. Exactly. So <laughs> it, it makes it more difficult because... Well, you say you can guarantee that, but, and we said we've had this conversation before, and it, it unfolded this year. If he goes and wins another one between now and Christmas... It's not enough. It has to be. It has to be. It has to be. It absolutely... One major, when we've had this conversation before, Ross Smith in the Europeans, Danny Knoppet in the UK Open, whoever else is happened to have, like Rob Cross turned it down because he absolutely sabotaged himself on TV after he'd had too much practice. Completely different. If you win two of the big ones in the same year, you are in. You just have to be. I agree, you should be. No, you have to be. You have to be. Brawl one. Brawl one will be invoked. You're nearly 40, man. Grow up. <laughs> um, you get you, to stay at the bottom now for your stupid opinion. You, you, you have to and be. So, so you're telling me you genuinely think that if he wins a second one... If he wins a Grand Slam, let's say. Yeah. Then, yeah. He has to be. Whether or not I, I find him entertaining to watch, or he right. ticks other boxes, is a completely right. different matter. He is winning your biggest tournament. You literally put the Premier League out there, saying to people, you achieve, you get chances. He will have earned that chance. Whether people like it or not, whether you find him watchable, whether or not that backroom of staff find him watchable and sit there laughing, going, ha-ha, he will never be in. We'll change the rules. If he wins two of your big TV titles, he has earned the right to be in the Premier League. I the don't most, disagree with most you. Most sense you've ever spoken. I don't disagree with you. However, I still don't think they put him in. I genuinely don't. Then hopefully the fans boycott it with their feet like they bloody should do. 
Darts fans right. were boycotting. Darts fans were already boycotting. You're already just appealing to Pissenter and all the tickets, are, the tickets were already sold, though, so that's irrelevant. Tickets went on sale today. By the time, they 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 had, had, by the, time the Premier League went up to the match... i come back to this. Instead of just going... Matt 70, and his much better to look at. 70, 75% will be sold by the time the Premier League lands. And, it, and it, if it's already sold, they're not they're then not putting players in because of the selling of tickets. So you should be then putting in your best eight for that year. Yeah, but you're not. You're ticking boxes in terms of media, digital numbers... We, we all know this. Look, with the greatest respect in the world... And, and your competition winners? That's got to be in there. It, but it's not... That's not. A, otherwise, Danny Knoppert would have been in when he won the UK Open. If but he won one. We're saying two. If I, he wins I, I another one. Think for certain players, two is enough. I don't. It's wrong if it isn't. That's madness. One not being enough, I can completely understand an era where they're more spread out than anything else. But two not being enough... Especially if one's on Sky. I know he's got an ITV one right now. If he goes and wins a Sky one, if Sky are then actively pushing a tournament for 16 weeks where somebody has won one of their events and gone, actually, yeah, he's not good enough to be in it, embarrassing all around. It still is a possibility. I genuinely believe that they would do it. I think they have to. And then what they have to do is balance the rest of the lineup to account for the fact that he isn't as media trained or as versatile as others. And that means you can't have anybody else that isn't. Gilding getting in would change how the other picks are done. I think. Because they wouldn't have anybody else that you find slow and methodical. Gilding win another major rules Peter Wright out. We're back to that conversation. Because he's not watchable on the hockey. Not, not the way he's playing right now. No, you don't. I, I just think that it wouldn't be a certainty that he's in if he won a second. If he wins another one, if expect the likes of Johnny Clayton to be at risk, Peter Wright to be at risk. Johnny's at risk that. Yeah, but he'll be at more of a risk if someone like Andrew Gildner is in the Premier League because of the pace and rhythm that Gildin plays at and also, whether we like or not, his age. They'll want to show off that darts is a young person sport. Look at their five elsewhere. Michael Smith, Van Gerwen's not even... What, 30, what is he, 37? Not even that yet. 33, 34? Exactly. Yeah, 34. Aspinall, Humphreys, Price. None of them are 40. They want they want to show off that, that it's a young person sport, that it's completely different to your old bloke down the pub. If Gildin wins another, forces their hand, anybody there over the age of 45 is going to have to work their ass off to get in that tournament. And make it absolutely impossible for them to be dropped as well, i.e., the worlds. So, right now, who takes those other three spots? Chat room, get as well, get in as well. If, if it's picked today, who, right now, who do you think gets those eight spots? John, Johnny would be in, yeah, as of today, yeah. Joe, maybe. What you're thinking, Lee, there's a question in the chat room that says, if Rock or Littler win the Worlds, do they make it? Put simply, Raph, if anybody wins the Worlds, they're in. Or they're offered the chance. They'll, they'll be offered it, yeah. There's absolutely no way that their second biggest tournament that we've just spent hours debating, and whether we like it or not, 
there's absolutely no way their second biggest goes ahead without their champion from their first. Not a chance. Which is why they were worried when Phil was about to retire that he could hold both biggest ranking events and not, <laughs> not be in anything. And Johnny, Joe... Yes, Richie Housen is the shout, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for Pete through. Um, the dirt at the pit over Noppy? Yes. Yeah, I think if you were looking to pick one or the other, I think Dirk would get the, the nod. That's possibly, and then Peter Wright sat in ninth. It's the, the difficulty is, I don't think Peter Wright's in at the moment, but if the rest of this year is won by Smith, Van Derwin, Humphries and Aspinall, or Aspinall, Wright's got a better chance, obviously, if he doesn't win one himself. But if there's no other big TV winner, apart from the top four already, Wright has still got a chance, if he plays as he has done last week and gets to that sort of stage. I think Dobie's got a shot of another year. On what basis would that be, though? Where'd he get in the match play? He lost to Nathan, didn't he? The... I want to say quarters. As well Quarter final. So, yeah. this, this year, quarterfinal of the Worlds, won the Masters... Which got him in. You can't. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying what he's done this because yeah. as of next year, the Masters can be included in your following year, but as of this year, five, it starts after the Masters. Or round, five, after the round five of the UK Open, quarter final of the match play, quarter final of the Grand Prix. It's not as much as Joe, is it? It's not, but I think so if being honest, they must realise they messed up by not giving him a second chance after being a dart away in the final. Possibly, yes, but you also have to remember... He got that shot and Dozer did, I think, in his year two after a strong first year. Yeah. Anybody that's been to that final gets that second shot. You've also got to think, World Grand Prix quarter-finalist, UK Open champion. What are you in the midst? Well, Colin's back-to-back semis, isn't he? Andrew Dildon, I want to vote. Yeah. Colin's back-to-back semi, Grand Prix semi. Another semi from Joe might just be enough. Possibly, but again, another semi. Or if Dobie can back up two back-to-back TV quarterfinals with a semi-final or final, because he ticks so many boxes. One in particular, but I think he does have to work that a little bit harder. Because yes, he had a chance last year in the Masters, but he is still ranked 18th in the world. And another player we're looking at at the minute, their record so far, Joe Cullen, gone up into the top ten for the first time. He ticks one big box. Newcastle. No. So can get flags out and wear football shirts again. That he ticks one big play. box that he proved to the rest of the world that it can be done at the Masters. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. No. Yeah. That but, box is huge. What, alcohol? Correct. That PDC already basically don't acknowledge that alcohol exists. Just because he does play sober, those that in the inner sanctum, and we sit here telling you that he plays sober, 
doesn't mean they're about to publicise to the world that Chris Dobie is the best player in the world or up there because he doesn't drink. Because what they do by doing that is admit that everybody else still does get on it. Well, they do, but... Yeah, but that's not a box to pick for public. It is. It is. It's it's a big box. Genuinely is. I, I think Dovey's, and I'm saying he gets him, I think he's in the conversation. I think he needs to do more in the next two months. Right right now, we wouldn't get that pick, if that's the question. Right now, on this site, I don't think he does for me. I don't I know. Think, I think Peter Wright would be picked before him. Right now. I, I actually agree, because of the two nights in Scotland. Um, so what are we saying? Top five, Clayton. Yeah. Admittedly, Johnny's not done as much as Dovey or Cullen at the minute either, but world ranking, just sheer bulk of success over the last couple of years. I think Johnny's, had a, better, Johnny's had a better year than Cullen. Where'd he get to in the... Is he runner-up in the match play? He won the World Cup match play final. About the World Cup, but first round exit at the Grand Prix match play, and he, he's won a TV. Whether people he's won a TV title, and you laugh, they they spun that narrative to get Barney in. They yeah, and the minute anybody else tries to use it, they want nothing to do with it. So yeah, they don't spin it to Andrew in. It will be that, when he's England's number one. <laughs> Yeah, Matt, Matt, Matthew, you summed it up exactly there, which is why I think Peter will probably still get in. He's not Scottish. Andy Bolton's <laughs> not Scottish. Yeah, but he's the only Scottish player that's, that wants to play in the Premier League. Send Thornton. Can he rock up big games nowadays? Um, uh, as it stands for me, I'm taking... Controversially, I'm leaving both Joe Cullen and Chris Doby out. So you're taking Clayton, Dirk, Rob Cross. He's won three World Series events. Can't see it myself. But I don't disagree, but I can't see it. He's won three World Series events. If it was enough for Dimmy last year, it's enough for Rob Cross, who was in contention last year on a worse year so far, but talked himself out of it. I'm not convinced that Cross is in. I think he may get another go at the World Series, but I'm not convinced. You don't have to be convinced. You said if we're picking it now, and if we're picking yeah, it now, yeah, I'm picking yeah. Rob Cross. No. That was your question. You don't have to be convinced he's in in four months' time and whatever else. You asked me if we're picking it right now. Who? This is why this conversation is stupid, because you just change the goals post constantly. If we're picking it now, Rob Cross is in the A. Your A. Yeah. What we see? Not my eight, no. Who's Clayton, Clayton, Cullen, Pierrot. No. Clayton, Cullen, Dirt. I'm unsure between Dirt and Pierrot. People are questioning Dirk in the chat room. It's just exciting to watch. Yeah. I think he misses out. If I'm picking it now, Clayton... Cullen 
And I still think Wright gets in. There's something in the back of my head that said Peter Wright gets a pick. I don't. I wouldn't have. I don't want him to, because of the year he's had. But I just think that he will. I think on the back of your head is a lump where someone knocked out of a baseball bat to try and put some sense into you. It shouldn't be anywhere near you. <laughs> um, the James, the lineup is, will be announced probably after the world final. Um, right, we had a qualifier overnight, which has a knock-on effect. Um, first of all, congratulations to Big Rig, Ben Robb. He booked his place at Alexandra Palace. However, in doing so, that is another... I think he was seeded at Lakeside. And I'm guessing the fact he chose to go to that qualifier means he's going to drop out at Lakeside. You would think... Uh, yeah. Why enter the qualifier if you're not? It was seeded number six. Why enter, why enter the qualifier if you're not going to then participate in what you're entering the qualifier for? Yeah. So I think it's quite clear that his intentions were set out. And let's be honest, you're entering the qualifier with very little pressure on your shoulders, knowing if you don't make it, you're in another world championship. But yeah. Disappointment for the WDF, I would say. Well, especially because obviously I know it's a different organisation, but the fact that New Zealand's number one player, top of the DPZ order of merit, has turned it down. It's, it's kind of a blow because of the way that the WDF is set up. They want people from all over the world coming. And when one of the territories, number one, says no, it's it, it, it's a blow. I think it's going to be... The WDF are more reliant on these players than the PDC. So, so every single one of them that makes that decision will be a blow to them. It's inevitable that going up against the PDC, that they're going to be in that position. Um, well, I do think this shows from Ben that he's going to go to Q school. I think you made that decision. You stay with both. You're going to have a crack at it. I think he's in a position now where he can throw consistently. That's the time to go and challenge himself. I don't know what his personal life is like, but if when we've had this discussion before and you look at the players in Australia and New Zealand that might be equipped to, to move and, and give it a shot, he seems like one of those that has been building up to this moment to go and give it a go. If he goes to Q school and gets his card, he will have a plan in place. I, I, there's, there's no doubt in my mind in that, that he's gearing up for this. He'll have a shot and if it doesn't pay off, then he'll carry on doing what he's doing for a year. But, this will be the result of a long plan. The fact he can't play in both world championships will be a little bit of annoyance because you're missing out on prize money at the end of the day. But if he is going to take that shot and he is going to go to Q school and he's got to be in the UK for three, four weeks for that over Christmas and then potentially make that jump, the way to financially set yourself up for that is take the guaranteed 10 grand. Oh, completely. Um, a couple of points on what you said there, Gob. One, if he if he wins a card, I think that there are rule changes coming up in relation to the PDC being able to take tour cards back off people. So I think now that there's an extra level of thought that has to go into it from overseas players saying, can I use this properly? Because it will be taken off them if they don't. And two, if you are Ben Robb, 
do you go UK or do you go to Germany? I guess the fact he's in the world and he's already in the UK would be a cost saving exercise to stay here rather than go to Germany and then potentially back into the UK for pro tours and whatever. But that's a decision at a latter date. You, you will entries of Q score aren't open yet, are they? But when they yeah. do, you will start hearing whispers about the quality of player going to each and people will be announced on social media to go into Q school, etc. If I was him, I wouldn't book either straight away. He'd be one of the players that I'd be standing back, seeing right, who's brass enough to go, right, I'm going here, and then have a pick later on. He's, I think he's sat there financially ready to do it. I think the financial implications years back would have meant he'd have still gone to Europe because the field was, it was different then. Now, there's not such a huge difference in cards and outs there and in the UK, and the quality of the field is still very much so. So I think you'd probably stay in the UK, unless there is a big shift of players down one way, not the other. I think that, that's a good point. And the one thing that does spring to mind now, actually, is that I'm expecting EU Q School to have more attendees this year than the UK. Interesting. I just think there's more people now. The sport keeps growing. We're looking at that big spike in Belgium now and over the last couple of years. Germany continues to be a hotbed, the Netherlands, etc. With the uncertainty around organisations such as WDF, you've got the ADC there, fine, etc. But the fact that darts just from a UK perspective or from what we know of it continues to grow on the continent, I'm expecting more chances to have a go at EU Q school this year. More people that are going to pay their money, turn up for the experience that we've had for a number of years in the UK, going, right, I'm going to do this. Your Nathan Richards averaging 56 at Q School is not going to get you anywhere, but he did it to say he'd been to Q School. I think we're going to see more of that on the EU, which will sway the number of cards they get. If EU gets anywhere near the UK in terms of numbers this year, that's the way to go, because at the top end, they've got some very, very good players. But then I do think there is a bit more of a drop-off into their, their mid-level I think their elite is better than the UK. I think their mid-level starts lower and there's a big drop-off underneath that. I think the UK has a very, very solid middle bunch of county players and, and whatever else that have been there and experienced it enough. If, if there's anywhere near the same numbers or the EU gets more, the decision for everybody travelling is the EU. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting one because didn't last year the split was almost 50-50, wasn't there? Yeah. Which will be which will be interesting. Um any update on Cadby and Manifest says, Well, I don't think Cadby will resign his card, I think they'll take it off of him. I don't know how they can. There's an impending rule change coming. There might be an impending rule change, but he won it under a different set of rules. There's a you can't the, the word you can't apply it to something that's already happened, in my opinion. They shouldn't be allowed to anyway. They can apply it for the future and they can apply it to a minimum amount of whatever for next year and, and players picking up their tour card. But for anybody currently in a cycle, I don't think they can go and apply a rule back to it going, by the way, we're having this back. I'm I agree on that. It's changing it's back to stuff of making qualification criteria nine months into a calendar sort of decision isn't it you've got to do that 
at the time of winning it, especially over a two-year basis, I don't think they can implement something for this for the players who have taught me dollar card. You would have to bring it in for the players who win one in January. Morally, that is the correct answer. However, like when we go back to earlier, they've 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 changed qualifying criteria mid-season before. I just think there's a great chance then that actually, even if somebody's not intending to use that toll card at all next year, i.e. Corey Cabley, if he, if he cannot get into the country to use the tour card, I think he'd have a basis for a legal challenge if they try and take it off him next year because they are restricting opportunities that he was awarded under a different yeah. set of circumstances. They are changing the goalpost once the season has started. Whether or not he's got the financial backing to have a legal challenge at that point is completely different, but I just think they keep opening themselves up for this. They can change the rules, but they, the, basically the way they look at it is they have to learn from this. They have to write it off. The user challenge tour, basically you get more input, more attention on your secondary tour, on your challenge tour, because if somebody manages to be number one on that and, and go and achieve or whatever, there's more competition for that as well for another year, knowing that they're going to be top-ups constantly. But you put in a position that we're not in that position again. That's all they can do. If the minute they go and change the rules and start taking, they can they can approach them and say, "Are you going to use it? No. Would you mind giving it back?" That's different. But if they pressure or say, "Right, these are the rules. You've not got it anymore." Completely different. Again, it, it will go back to the "We'll do what we want," and if someone's got the money or the balls to take us to court, then do it. Because let's let's be honest. If that was the case. The decision now in place to block players playing in both world championships is arguably a restriction of trade. It so, is, but we've already been through that. A, you need somebody big enough to go and step up against it. That's B, what I mean. So that, that's why I think... The blame on the other organisation saying that they're now first. Like They were the ones breaking the rules previously. That legislation, the Tomlin order exists and that they've yeah. been breaking the legislation, not us. But, no, but that's, no, that's, no. that's exactly but what I'm saying. I think they'll do it and say, if you've got the money and think, then then take us to court. Knowing that he hasn't. It's, it's my theory behind it. I think that's fund it, though. I, I genuinely think enough people would look at it and go, actually, that's wrong. Whether or not he intends to use it is a different matter. I think you could fund it. To go against that, there's enough people out there that disagree with the PDC system that would go, actually, no, he earned that card, this is right to use it, etc. I genuinely think there would be a basis for it. Oh, I, I agree, there we'll would be. Silly, but... but the right way to go about it is to not make a change to that, to a cycle that anybody's already got. It has to be a from this Q school, change a player doc, change a contract that you agreed to sign attending Q school or, or picking it up or whatever. But I'm you can't sure. apply to somebody that's already got a card. I, I, I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they sign new player contracts every year anyway. So if they do and it's in the new contract, it's got to sign it first. But it's when that would be implemented. When is it the time removed revealed that card from you after not playing X amount of tournaments? And then if that's the case, if you're signing it now, you wouldn't lose it, let's say, till July. Is it even worth them doing that until the following year? Yeah. They would 
that God, you and I both you know. You can't apply it to the season just gone and go, by the way, this rule exists. You didn't use it for 60% of Pro Tours last year. I'm having it back because yeah. nobody's aware of that rule. If it's a one year if it's a one year rolling contract, even though it's a two year card, you'd have to apply it from this point of yeah. signing the contract, which would be I don't know that's hard. You'd start playing fifty percent of the pro I, I think he'd just be pressured into doing it because God, you and I both know that someone else was pressured into giving theirs back. Yeah. So I think they'll I'm just. Not saying that doesn't happen, but if they change yeah. a rule and then say we're taking it off you, that's a completely different matter, and it just can't happen. You say but it, it can happen, but really, it with what we said before and the point Lee just made, they'd be absolutely slaughtered. There has to, by the way, with this rule as well, they have to have an injury allowance, similar to what they do in tennis, where they freeze your ranking for a certain amount of time. And is it tennis and golf that do that? Yeah, uh, I know period and a recovery time afterwards to freeze your ranking in that position. I know tennis, tennis do. Yeah, but I don't know about golf. You can't just take somebody's card off them because they might have tennis elbow for six months or whatever. They won't protect the ranking though. They might waver the. We won't take your card off you. Yeah. But they won't look at Kist when he had his card. He couldn't yeah. throw for nine months because he had arthritis in his wrist, and there'll be no ranking protection because Ian White will go nuts if there is after the COVID one. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting one, right? What else have we got? Um, the race for like we say on Ben Rob, the race for Ali Pally now really is in the forefront because we were going through the, the diary yesterday. Got the chances now are running out, it's almost do or die. There's not a lot of pro tours left at all. Six, is it? Yeah, um. Six or seven, yeah. There's not much. Just getting the race to the world's up. So, as it stands, Richie Ed has currently... Uh, yeah, pre, um, Preston, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, currently, Richie Ed has holds the last spot. He does. I think World Championship race is a bit daft as a discussion point because there is still that qualifier as well. Like, obviously, you'd love to be in. The more pressing matter with just six to go is the Players' Championship finals because that's your chance to sneak in the Worlds at the last moment as well. To a point, but I think the players are more concentrated on the race of the Worlds than they are the race of the minor, the ones that are outside. And for me, the key to the race of the Worlds is the Players' Championship finals. 100% it is. If you've not already qualified for that final Euro Tour or the Europeans, the way to put your spot in the world it's is make sure you're, you're in Minehead. The chance or, of you getting there if you're not in Minehead is you've got two spots in that qualifier, maybe three, if they're going to keep that spot from Bo's WDF decision to the PDPA qualifier. Isn't there four this year? Because doesn't Jean Van Veen's place go there as well? Potentially, which is more... yes. Which makes me more likely to think they're going to award an extra one to the women's series, by the way. Instead of having four and two handed back, they're happy with one handed back from the dev and they'll keep the women one with three. If it was just a case of if Gian's had been genuine and there was still the decision between two yeah. or three on the 
PDPA, I think they might go, well, actually, yeah, that's for, for the PDPA. But the fact that they'll have four this year up from two last year, they could go three and three with the women and win-win all around. Because the argument to the people that haven't made the Worlds is, well, you've had two years to qualify and you've got an extra spot this year and you qualify to fall back on. Would there be an argument then from the development tour, though, that there's a missed one there that's a doubt there? Not really. I think they're less likely to make noise about it. Although kids are better on Twitter than over 50, so... <laughs> exactly. But on that, that would have a knock-on effect if that happens with Lakeside. Because if they do give that third spot back to the women would mean Makuru, Fallon hold those spots at the moment. And if Bo's match play spot goes down the rankings, it means arguably one of the others that is at Lakeside, either Lisa or Rianne. There's no arguably. They're the only two that can catch. As far as I remember. No, Robin, Robin Byrne can still catch Lisa. But that's an interesting dynamic because I'm pretty sure Lisa would pick Ali Pally over Lakeside. But then flip the coin, I may be wrong. I think Rianne would pick Lakeside because she's Welsh captain and everything like that as well. Yeah. What would be really interesting if both Lisa and Rianne got above Fallon. And then there's two up in the air. Would you imagine that? After, can you imagine after last year? <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's, there's an interesting dynamic going on at the moment. and but sure. then, with, with that announcement made, why would you wait? Why would the PDC wait? Is that this Sunday? This weekend? What's that? Women's Series. Saturday, isn't it? No, it's next week. Next week and after. Expect an announcement next Monday. They have to make it. If they are going to change it, it has to be before that women's series. Before a dice run, 100%. Correct. Learn from last year. When we all knew three women were going to the World Championships, everything was written up. And then... This week. <laughs> either way, I, I don't know which way it is, but either way, that announcement has to come before, arguably before entry deadlines for the Women's Series next week, which are normally, what, the Wednesday before? Yeah. 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 The, 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 that has to come before a dart is thrown. Whichever way you're going. If, well... If, if there is no announcement, if you're just going to follow the rules, you don't need to make an announcement. But yeah. don't you dare then change your mind after this women's series. Not after last year. No, yeah, after, after last year, they, they have to, if, if they're going to change it. <laughs> but I'd like to think they would. I think four for the PDPA, PDPA qualifiers wrong. Yes, I know. They're the ones that work all year for it. That'll be but a discussion when we actually get to that qualifier and everything else is already set, won't it? Yeah. Um, part of me genuinely thinks they might be sadistic enough to roll the dice, take the chance, and then make the announcement afterwards to prove that it doesn't just benefit Fallon. 
if somebody else is in that spot. So you to use that's what they did last time. They were hoping she'd hold on, make the announcement. It looks brilliant that they've done it to get Bowen. And part of me thinks they will roll the dice on that again. Hope she keeps the gap over Lisa and go, isn't this brilliant? We're adding Lisa in. I, I, I get the sentimentals, but learn from last year. They because have to learn from last year. But because... that's what I mean. Part of me is worried that they are sadistic if... enough to make that roll of the dice to go above and beyond to rectify the press they got from it last year. Because if the worst case scenario happens and Fallon gets overtaken and then they do it again, it's like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. When that decision could have been taken before a dart was thrown. Yeah. Interesting. Right. We've... Get your questions in whilst we get come through the last little bits. Get them in as always. I've started a couple. Um, we've touched them. We've done that one. Uh, we've done that one as well, so I can unstart them. Um, Super Series just gone. Um, how good was Sebastian Bielecki, boys? What a group that was. But it was revenge for Bolt against Andy Bolton in the final. The man that beat him last series to book a place in Champions Week. And full credit to Luke Littler. Didn't make it three on the spin, but a real classy social media post. It, he's, it, it'd be it'd be not fair to not say he's still a class act. Luke Littler is still a ridiculous talent. What he's done winning two back-to-back is he's going to be hard to um, for someone to level that up, to do exactly the same or even better that. Um, and what an addition he's been to the Super Series. Yes, it didn't end the way we, he would have liked to. And from a viewer, I would have liked to have seen him in that final week then. But he has been a great addition to the Super Series and he's done a one to even bigger things with the PDC, but fair play, fair play to Sir Sebastian in putting his place in that final field. Oh, just great. Look, he's, he's, Sebastian's going to be an absolute star of, of the sport. An, yeah. an absolute star. And, and now he's there in Champions Week. I think he's a huge danger. Huge. Definitely. Especially as without being disrupted to the field, there is that Lack of, not lack of experience, but there's a completely different feel to the Super Series Champions Week heading towards this one. There isn't really an awful lot of repeat players. There isn't someone that you're looking at lineup going is absolutely going to dominate it. And look, he does have his issues with double sixteen, but he is also nerveless. Yeah, I saw a performance from him in the World Youth Last sixty four tournament where. He took out four ton pluses in five legs from four nil down. Yeah. Oh, he's he's incredible. With his opponent sat on a on a one or two data every single time. The other kid come off and go, What have I done wrong there? And the answer was absolutely nothing. Sebastian just has some has that thing about him. His timing is beautiful. Um yeah. He's going to be an absolute star and he's got a real chance at Champions Week. Luke was brilliant. I think this entire experience for Luke sets him up pretty nicely for, for next year. Um, there's, there's two elements to it as well. In that performance-wise, he's been absolutely brilliant. To win back-to-back has not been done before. I'm not sure it'll be done again in, in the near future. 
if I'm being honest. But actually, entertainment size, Luke is already a, a, a big commodity in the sport. People are aware of him. He's, he's doing fantastic things at 16. But those games where he's had that have been dead rubbers, where he had the chance to experiment and, and go creative with roots and whatever, has also just meant that he's in the shop window for exhibitions already next year. And he's got a chance to make income on the side that the exhibition market is not what it was 20, 25 years ago. But actually, people know that he's entertaining enough now that they might even consider going and, and watching a 16 or, or 17 year old play darts if he's going to be that entertaining in what he does. And he's yeah. also mature enough to know that you can't do those shots on the Pro Tour because it can come back and bite you. But, you know, situationally, he's been very, very aware since he walked through those doors when and when he can and when he can't go for shots like that. Yeah, but he's just... We, we, we've touched on it a few times. He is a generational talent. And look, now his Super Series is over, I'm genuinely excited to see him at Minehead for the World Youth and at Alexandra Palace. Um, but Sebastian takes the place. Uh, also, Continental Cup coming up in a few weeks. Looking forward to that. Uh, the end of the season in North America. I need to... What's the seeding looking like? Spellman's one, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, here's the bracket. Spellman versus Ryan van der Weyt. Jason Brandon against Doug Boehm. David Cameron, Gary Mawson, Danny Lauby, Keith Way. Stowe Bunce, Jake McMillan, Jim Long, Larry Butler, Leonard Gates, Jacob Womack. Jacob Taylor, JT Davis. I like that. I think it's a very good lineup. It's getting better and better. I'm like, being wrong, Larry Butler is still there, but it definitely felt like in the early days of the CDC, it was very reliant on the players that have been over to the UK and, and had experience and been in position that you've perhaps seen in the PDC before, but we're now back in America carrying the mantle. Now there are new stars to this. Alex Bowman is ridiculous. Oh, he is. Being in New York this year, the two that, again, youngsters that I'm excited about is JT Davis and Jake McMillan. Yeah. There was a lot to like about those two, not only in the US Darts Masters, but the North American Darts Championship, well, there was a lot to like about their actions, their temperament. Um, that Darts in North America is going places. And it, even if like, the youngsters here don't perform, this is an opportunity for them in a finals to experience that because yeah. you're looking at McMillan and Davis as, as players that could potentially make the jump in the future that could see themselves as professional dart players, etc. All around this, your likes of Gary Mawson and David Cameron, they, they sort of know where they are, but your youngsters are, are going to have a crack at this and actually experiencing this could be perfect for them, even if it doesn't go to plan. You've got to know both ways, haven't you? Yeah, 100%. 
Um, so yeah, excited for the content of Cup. We will be bringing you some media as well from it as always. So looking forward to that. Um, right, have we missed anything before we go into question time, boys? Pass. Seeing his weekend, Dob? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess linking into the last two topics we've just spoke about with the CDC and the Super Series because yesterday Jim Lund won Open Series 6 who's totally top of the Super Series after today obviously in the draw then to Larry Butler I think he just said in the CDC um, and playing some very, very good stuff, beating Martin Turner in the final yesterday with finishes of 120 to win it, I think it was, 110. Five to win it. 145 to win it, sorry. The 110 also in there. Yeah. Uh, 70, I think he only missed two or three in that final. Yeah, he missed. Yeah, it was just, a, just a very, very good performance from Jinland all day. And on Saturday in Open Series, event five was won by Kevin Edwards, who beat Robert Rutherford in the final. Six nil, two six nil final wins, um, but two very dominant performances in those final. I don't, I think Kevin Edwards only missed two. We had that conversation on the Saturday as well. Yeah, yeah, I think he won at tops, but then he checked out in the same visit. I think there was one. Was where if he did miss a data double, he didn't win it in that visit, if that makes sense. And that was because he went inside on 20s, hit the six band for double 10, and returned to it double seven the following visit anyway. Like, he, he was visit perfect on finishes, yeah, apart from one leg. From them two wins. Very fun field then. Lights of Fawn to Mitchell. It's in Dieter at the first one. So generally a very, very good weekend in Newbury with one weekend to go. Yeah, 100%. But Jim Lund, very impressive. Lost to Andy Jenkins first day, but Andy Jenkins played very well. So no surprise to see Jim play as well as he has done today, winning someone to have four out of five, was it, today? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's two from four in Newbury as well. He won the Saturday event last time out. I think he was beaten in the quarters on the Sunday. It was a while ago now. Um, and I think he just ran out of time. And then he gets an Uber from Newbury to Portsmouth. To go on, I'm like, you're mad. <laughs> £15 more, he was telling me, just for the Uber, but for the let, um, because of obviously him and his partner, Darwin. Um, but he said he wanted to relax in the bath of the Uber to be ready for tomorrow morning, and I like that. he was. He lost he in the last up. 16 on the Sunday last time to Kevin Painter, who then went on to make the final. We lost 6 5 to Thornton in that final. Painter was brilliant that day, so. Um, return a big yeah. Harry played really well, Johnny, last week. Was impressed. Um, oh yeah, Muramatsu won the Asian Championship. He's back at Ali Pali. Muramatsu might genuinely have one of the best actions in the sport. I've been watching him play at the Super Series for a week. It is gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely love it. Uh, right. Question time it is then. Jump in if you see anything, boys, as well. Start with Matt. What players not yet in the World Championship spot would you like to see make it for more, uh, like players for more entertainment? 
Vincent, Wilson, Webster, White, Ting, Mensor. Don't there's some big names. Oh, just for pure interview, Vincent. <laughs> from that, from them examples there, without getting the list up, I can I could have said that your answer would be Vincent, and I can tell you that Dobbs would be Mervyn King. Vincent should be in every TV tournament just so we can interview him. I'd love a return to Adrian Lewis, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, uh, it's a long way off, but I'd, for personal, I'd love to see Adam Warner get a shot. It would it would be massive for the university darting community to have, like, having a talk on is already massive enough, but the more and more he does, the more and more that that side of the game will have somebody that everybody can look up to and, and that side can grow. Um, That's my answers. Where is it? There was one. Let me go back, Sam. If you could pick a player who plays you in a movie, who would each of us pick? As in a dark player. Who would you choose for each other? All right, Tate, I'm not choosing my own. Um, well, um, just because he's, his persona is as miserable as Dobbs, I'm going to go James Wade for Dobbs. <laughs> um, left-handed for, for a he'd probably still beat you right-handed for to make sure she gets a part in the film I think Fallon would play you Phil standard um, <laughs> 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 want to use that bit mine as an under I'd send Mike Myers in to play bars James Torrey brilliant he's brilliant in Austin Powers you look the same <laughs> um, Pete, Pete, Pete knows. I think James Thornton's quite funny, though. Pete, that's the difference. <laughs> yeah, but no one likes James Corden. Oh, wait, perfect. <laughs> um, who would play Boise? Ross Smith. Six foot, stupid beard, and always has to look all right. I've never known a man go on about a fucking iron at a hotel more than him. Scott Williams. No, nah, Scott Williams has got style. Just trust <laughs> You just said Ross Smith always has to look all right. I took the compliment yeah, like, that and ignored absolutely everything. His shirt is never creased or anything like that. Like, yeah. Oh, it's a shame that someone wants to die with an iron shirt. I do apologise. Relentless. <laughs> Pup. <laughs> Ricky Evans to play me. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, that's not bad shout from the dark too. Um, uh, yeah, I, the, the tailor darts are just on my desk here. And I just tw like twiddling. When he's not been Snapchatting, Zane, you can see the face he pulls looking down at it. 
I think I'm stop chatting tonight during the show. Yeah. I'll be good tonight. <laughs> um, Someone's missing out. <laughs> um, but no, the Taylor darts, I can't throw them. I don't know how he does. They just go all over the cartwheels through the air. Possibly give them to me, though, could you? Didn't give me the devil one yesterday either. Well, you forgot to ask. You should have bought them out. I, I delivered you a present. You could have delivered me one. <laughs> um, right, where else were we? Um, oh, this, this, this is one for Gob. How much um, minimum to qualify for the Worlds? What's, what's your cut-off for the Worlds race, Gob? 20p. Oh, bloody no. Lando, are you still here? What's he at now? About 19? Yeah. So, who are you saying in? William O'Connor. The Euro Tour. Players' Champ Finals. At the moment, I think Willie's safe. Euro Slam. I was going to give you Jim Williams, to be fair, just because of the sheer number of players below that. Jim Williams probably don't want to wear that. He would miss everything else for the rest of the year, not to be in here, probably. Well, five grand's not a massive... Five grand isn't a massive buffer to, to Zonneveld for Jim, but it's just the sheer number of people that have got to go and uh, more than five yeah. grand in six pro tours. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. If they want to get any other way, then it's slam eight what? eight qualifiers for the in grand slam. Stupid. Yeah. Um, Deep into Fergie time, he slaps in a winner with a big stupid. Well, Pete says, "Gob VAR, good idea or bad idea?" Pete, we're gonna fall out. <laughs> 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 Because what we're going to do is I'm going to take all the footage of every seniors event where you're sat in the front row and I'm just going to put a knob on your head. <laughs> <and put laughs> <on> you. <laughs> I've already seen that footage. It just hasn't been published yet. Um, <laughs> how are the rest of the Grand Slams? How are the rest of the Grand Slam spots decided? I'll take the Grand Slams a mess. Players don't know if they're there or not. Worst tournament on the calendar. Check complete. Stupid. <laughs> the the uh, Grand Slam is the worst Sky TV tournament on the calendar. No, Easy. the Slam is better than the Grand Prix. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. There's so much wrong with it. So much wrong with the Grand Prix as well. Like what? It's too short. The format right. is too short for a major. Okay. It's my big one. Where's the rest? Leicester. Leicester. Because Wolverhampton's so delightful. Ask Derwin Price which one's better, Aldersley yeah. or Leicester. <laughs> um, because his opinion's so valid on which venues we should be at when he complains about all of them. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard him complain about Aldersley. Yeah, he loves it, Aldersley. For now. 
Uh, Merv, say for the they're team. your big two. One of them is a temporary venue for the last three years. Another one is you want the format to be a bit longer. Ireland is it? Ireland's it classed as temporary? So we go back to Ireland. If they still want to move it back to Ireland, you can't smash the venue and say it's bad for the tour. But the if it's there in another three years, a tournament that is that then, that's then their in venue, isn't it? In the grand, in the Grand Slam, in the, the qualifying criteria is incredibly confusing. Uh, as you just said, half the players don't know where they're going. To seed players one to eight into groups and then into the bracket that follows is just incredibly stupid. That's being looked at. That might change by the time the tournament starts. It better do. You can see them. You can protect them in the groups. You can seed them as eight players in there. Fine. But that bracket then has to be... You have to see them into parts. You have to draw them into parts like they do for the World Cup. And then the bracket goes from there. You can't protect them and play the same player in the quarterfinal. The number of qualifying spots, stupid. The Grand Slam's still there, though. It's just not. I actually think Grand Prix's better, but I just wanted to do an odd job. <laughs> um, right, everyone. Thank you very much for your continued support this evening. Um, plenty coming up your way. Um, we'll get some bits out on social as well to let you all know what is going on. But... We're going to have a couple of days rest. It's been a busy, busy period. But I've been Phil Bars, Jack Garwood and Lee Boyce. That is us signing off for another week. Thank you very, very much as always. And we'll see you all very, very soon. Bye.